0: <laughs> and laughs theater of the mind the best love programs from radio's golden age only on zoomer radio now here is your master storyteller frank proctor
1: thank you and welcome to the show we're shy on time tonight so let's get right to the action Tonight, it's Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Edmund O'Brien as Johnny, who will investigate the case of Mr. and Mrs. Trump.
2: Time now for
3: Edmund O'Brien as... Johnny Dollar. Johnny,
4: how soon can you get out to Highbridge, North Dakota? North Dakota, huh? In the winter, you guys send me to North Dakota in the summit of Miami, Florida. All right, what's your problem? We got two
3: old duffers insured for a total of $80,000.
4: What's the matter? Somebody threatening to kill him?
3: No. They're threatening to kill themselves. Edmund O'Brien
2: in another of the adventures of the man with the action packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator, Johnny Dollar.
4: Submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to Home Office National Fidelity Life Insurance Company, Hartford, Connecticut. The following is an accounting of my expenditures during investigation of your policyholders, Mr. and Mrs. Arbuthnot Trump, or how the grave digger's spades came near being trumps. <laughs> Expense account item one, $113.52 railroad fare, Hartford, Connecticut to Highbridge, North Dakota. As I walked towards the station in Highbridge, the wind whipped white shawls of snow out of the night and around me like a Spanish dancer, and the raw cold had my teeth acting like castanets. Inside the shack, I found a pot-bellied stove surrounded by a pot-bellied station master. Hello.
5: Oh, hello. You our only customer? Well,
4: I'm the only one got off the train. Can I can I find a taxi around here? Yep.
5: As soon as my son gets the mail and freight tucked away, he'll take you. Only won't be any taxi cab. You drive it wherever you're going in the pong. Uh by the way, where are you going?
4: To the Trump residence. You know it?
5: Yep. I know it. Uh, you one of the family?
4: No. Just business.
5: Oh. Well.
4: Well, what? Uh,
5: what is your business is none of mine. But, uh, have you ever been out there before? No, I haven't. Why? Something wrong? Well, the names and everybody in this town has been getting a lot of unnecessary exercise. Uh, jump into conclusions. Well, here comes the boy. He'll drive you over. Ah, uh, Hickey! Yeah? Hickey, you got a customer for the pong. Wants to go out to the Trump place.
3: The Trump place? Hmm. Well, all right. But, Mister, I'll only take you as far as the gate. <laughs> your first trip, huh? That right, Mr. Dollar? Yep, that's right. Hey, how much more we got to go? Oh, about another mile. You cold? Cold. Ooh, I'm freezing. Well, slap your arms around. Keep up circulation. Hey, does it always get this cold around here? Nope. Only in the winter. Uh. Say, Higgy, Yeah. Huh? you mind answering a few more questions? No, no, many answers. You're welcome to those. Well, what about this Trump place? Why is everybody around here scared of it? What is it, a haunted house? Nope. As far as I know, everybody out there is alive all right. Matter of fact, I'd feel better if some of the things out there was dead. What do you mean? Well, past year or so, I've been delivering some packages out there. Boxes come in express on a train. Some of them come all the way from Africa. Quite a few from India, too. Hallmark, danger. Hallmark, do not open. Deadly. Whatever comes in those boxes is alive. What about the people, the Trumps themselves? Oh they look nice enough. Sort on old side. Old man Trump looks like a deacon. His wife looks like a deacon's wife. But they never seem to come to town, let alone church. Hey, that's funny. What's so funny? Well look, here on the road. Fresh auto tracks. Only one place to go out this way. Same place we're going. To the Trump house. I don't see anything wrong with that. Those folks never have no visitors. Now, it looks like they're having a lot. (laughs) Hey, maybe they're having guests for dinner.
4: That's right. Maybe they are having guests in for dinner.
3: I didn't say in for dinner. I said maybe they're having guests for dinner. (laughs) Oh, Oh, that's some funny joke, that is. (laughs) Yeah. Well, here we are, right around the next bend. Good. Good. Now, tell you what, Hickey, when I get ready for you to drive me back, I'll, uh, I'll give you a call on the telephone, huh? Well, that'll be a good trick if you can do it. What do you mean? The Trumps, they don't have no telephone.
4: Expense account item two, a buck and a half pun fare. Hybrid stations at the gate of the Trump estate where the driver Hickey dumped me off. I used one of the fresh tire tracks as a footpath up the long driveway through the snow. And steaming the white flakes out of my eyes with my breath, I took inventory of the house sprawled on the crest of the slight rise. It was big, colonial, and in good repair. All rooms lighted downstairs, one room lighted upstairs. Near the front, the automobile tracks took off around to the back of the house. I had to make my own footsteps in the drifts from there to the front door.
6: Quickly, quickly. Don't let that cold in. Let's shut the door.
7: Now, who are you? What do you want? What are you doing here?
4: I'm Johnny Dollar from the insurance company. That's what I want. Well, I want to see Mr. and Mrs. Trump. That's what I'm doing here. I'm just the victim of a bad choice of careers early in life.
5: Well, all right. Take a seat over there. I'll go check with Mr. and Mrs. Trump.
7: But don't bother taking your coat off Yes.
4: So this is Northern Hospitality. out of the cold makes any house seem warm, but my overcoat started to steam about ten seconds after I got inside this one. So did I, and looking around, I saw the reason. There were potted orchids growing all over the hallway, and orchids grow only in tropical warmth. Despite the invitation not to, I took off my overcoat and waited. After ten more minutes, I felt like slipping out of my suit, a decision I didn't have time to make.
6: They're just finishing dinner, Mr. Dollar. They suggest you join them for coffee. Follow me. Thanks. Mrs. Trump. Mr. Trump. This is Mr. Dollar.
8: How do you do? How are
6: you, Mrs. Trump? Won't
8: you join us? There, sit right over there.
6: Yes, Mr. Dollar. Come and sit down. Have some coffee. Oh, thank you.
8: (laughs) Mr. Heinz. Now, that'll be all over when you may leave. Well. <laughs> Fine. Now, sugar and cream, Mr. Donald?
6: Uh, no, thank you, Mrs. Trump. This will be all right, just the way it is. Well, Mr. Donald, I assume you've got the necessary papers. Yes, yes, I did. They're, uh, they're in my pocket already for your signature. Good, good. We'll sign them right away. Well,
4: I, I was hoping you wouldn't sign them at least until I've had a chance to talk to you about it.
6: Talk to? What is there to talk about?
4: I hope you understand that, well, it isn't every day that an insurance company gets a letter from a pair of policyholders calmly stating that they are both planning to commit suicide. Oh, no? No.
8: Well. Well, I suppose it is a bit out
6: of the usual run of things, but there's nothing we can do about it. Now, goodness, we checked with our lawyer. And he said we were perfectly within our rights.
4: Well, granted, you've had the policy a long, long time, and the suicide clause is no longer in effect. However, well, frankly, the company did send me out here in the hope that, while I was arranging the change of beneficiary you requested, I could also talk you into changing your mind.
8: Mr. Dollar, you might just as well save your breath. Our minds are made
6: up. Mrs. Trump is right, Mr. Dollar. As soon as we get those changed beneficiary papers signed, we intend to dispose of ourselves. Well, I... And furthermore, young man, within the past 48 hours, we have had ourselves thoroughly examined by a board of extremely well thought up alienists, who signed documentary proof that we are both perfectly safe. Mm Mm-hmm. So there is nothing you can do to stop us in that direction. But why? Why do you want
4: to do this? Now, you
6: you don't look unhappy.
8: Oh, we're not. We've had an extremely happy life, haven't we, Mr. Trump?
6: Indeed we have, Mrs. Trump. And that's just it. You see, Mr. Dollar, we both feel that having enjoyed such a beautiful life, we owe the world something. And finally, we have evolved a method of paying our debts. In doing what we intend to do, we shall leave to the world the beginnings of a new humanity. What's the matter with the old one? Nothing. But it is doomed to extinction. Mr. Dollar, just think for yourself. Atom bombs, hydrogen bombs, biological warfare... And, and don't
8: forget the flying saucers, Mr. Trump.
6: Don't forget indeed. Unknown objects hurtling through space, interplanetary traffic. Dear, dear. A prelude to invasion and destruction.
4: Now, now, wait a minute. How do you know? Who told you?
6: Mr.
8: Dollar, Mr. Trump knows these things. He was a professor for many years, and he reads, reads, reads all the time. He knows, he knows all that.
4: <laughs> Would you mind pouring me some some of that coffee, Mrs. Trump?
8: Well, not at all. May I?
4: Thank you. Mr. Trump, granted we're all doomed for extinction, how's knocking yourself off going to help? If you just stick it out, you'll not only enjoy a bit
6: more time alive, but you'll also be around to see the fireworks. You will notice, Mr. Dollar, that we are changing the beneficiary in our policies from our niece, Miss Hope Selden, to the young man who let you in here tonight, Mr. Irwin Harper. Yes,
4: I noticed that. And I also noticed that this young man isn't even related to you. Now, what's that all about?
8: My Hope is a frivolous girl. She at us. And we tried to tell her what's happening. Irwin is a serious-minded young man who will use the money brought to this household by our passing to make the down payment on a new human race.
6: Mrs. Trump, do you happen to have any brandy around? Later, Mr. Dollar. Later. You want to know why and how? Well, come along. We'll show you.
4: A nightmare is bad enough when you're asleep, but I was awake, and that's when they're really frightened. They took me down through the back of the house to a winding, half-lighted stairway into the belly of the black hole. The oppressive heat grew even more oppressive, more stairs, then tunnels, all the ceilings cement and lined with lead, all the walls... ...covered with
6: pens and cages, and all of them filled with snakes, Mr. Dollar, reptiles, hundreds of them, every species, every variety known to modern man. Look at them. Look at them and look at them well, for here is the new beginning. When life as we know it is blasted off the face of this earth, either by man himself or by his planetary cousins, when that happens, then these shall be the inheritors of this global sphere. As they were in the beginning, according to the Meston theory, as set down in 1903.
8: Yes, Mr. Dollar, Mr. Trump knows these things, don't you see? No,
4: I've got to admit, I don't quite see. You will, sir.
6: Look, every pen, every cage is equipped with an automatic feeding device. Stored above the cages is enough scientifically developed food to keep these reptiles alive for a hundred years, if need be. Until the Holocaust, they will be cared for by young Harper. I could use an old Harper myself. When the Holocaust comes, Irwin Harper shall survive as long as possible. Then the machines will take over. The reptiles will be fed, and when the recording devices up on top say that the radioactivity and magnetic forces have been dissipated, the doors of the cages leading to the earth above shall be automatically projected outdoors, and the cycle shall be complete. Then the reptiles will be set free on the face of the earth to once again evolve themselves into the new humanity. I see.
4: Look, Mr. Trump, I'm out here to ask you a very simple question. What's all this got to do with your committing suicide?
6: That is easily answered, Mr. Dollar. We need money. We need a lot of money to buy the rest of the equipment. We are willing to give up the little that is left of our lives to provide it. Irwin will remain behind to put our money to good use. Mr. and Mrs. Trump, I don't question
4: your motives, but you can't blame me for taking a second look at your methods. This man springing from reptile theory is flimsy enough, but that's your opinion, and you're entitled to it. But what you're not entitled to, and I'm quoting the Bible and the law, is the act of taking your own lives.
8: We've talked that over among us, and we're willing to take our chances.
4: All right. But at least you'll agree this is a whole lot to take in one sitting, isn't it? Now, let me bring these papers back in the morning. We can talk it over once more, and. Then you're free to go ahead and sign.
6: Well, time is short, but I don't think a few hours will matter. Do you agree, Mrs. Trump?
8: Yes, I agree.
4: Good. Now, uh, if you'll be kind enough to either let me have a car or have somebody drive me into town...
8: Car? We have no car. We haven't had one for months, And we've barred them from the property hasn't been one past the gate for almost a year.
6: Oh? Including tonight? Yes, of course, including tonight. You just have to stay
9: here.
8: Come now. We'll take you up to your room, Mr. Dollar. What you need is a good night's sleep. I'd
4: have had a better night's sleep on a tightrope. My room had the same sticky hot air that filled the rest of the house. It may be great for snakes and orchids, but I'll take my steamings at a Turkish bath. I stretched out on the bed, turned off the lamp, and closed my eyes. But for 20 straight minutes, I could still see ghost automobiles and snakes and more snakes. I kept my eyes closed as much as I could because when they were open, I could see on the wall the serpentine shadows of the tree branches outside. At least, I hoped that's what they were. Then, just as I was hoping the hardest that the realest of them all wasn't what it looked like, out of the blackness from across the room I heard I reached down under the bed for a shoe. Not much of a weapon, but all I could think of at the moment. Then I snapped on the lamp and saw it. It had plenty of coils, all right, but it was strictly non-venomous. The steam radiator standing there hissing my performance. But my nerve ends didn't even have a chance to lie down. They were still standing straight up when it happened. I was out of bed, across the room, and out into the hall in slightly more time than it takes to tell. The ray of light from my open door fell across a jumbled pile of beautiful young women. I bent over her and
8: Where is she? I'm right here, Mr. Dollar. Right here, taking care
10: of
4: you. Oh. Ah, Somebody's been taking care of me, all right. Oh. Well, where is she, huh? She's gone. What have you done with her? Come on now, where's the girl?
6: Mr. Dollar, you'd better get hold of yourself. There is no girl here.
4: Oh, no? Oh look. Earlier tonight, you told me there was no automobile around here, but there was. I saw the tracks in the driveway with my own eyes. I walked in one of them.
6: All right. Look out the window, Mrs. Trump.
11: No, I don't see any tracks.
6: Do you see any footprints?
8: No, nothing. Just snow.
4: Okay. At least you know I walked up that driveway, right? And my footprints are covered up. So it's been snowing, the wind has been blowing, it's been drifting. Now I suppose you're going to tell me you didn't hear the girls scream. Come, come now, Mr. Dother. You were having a nightmare. No girls scream. Well, if you didn't hear anything, what are you doing out here? What brought you? Young man, we
6: have a right to be wherever in our own home we choose to be. But I might as well tell you, I found you when I started for the kitchen to get some crackers and warm milk. I found you lying here. Yeah, everyone's lying around here. Yeah. Young man, that does it. Once we get those papers signed, I'm afraid we shall have to ask you to leave. That's all right with me. They're here in my room. Come on. The way some people stand in the way of the few others who are making a genuine effort to sustain some kind of life on
8: Yes, Mr. you absolutely not.
6: You'll find a
4: pen there on the table. The papers are right here in my...
6: Hey... Yes, Mr. Dollar? The papers are gone. How can they
8: be gone if you've brought them at all?
6: We warn you, Mr. Dollar, we will not stand for any more of your dilly-dallying. We want those papers, and now we are determined to sign them immediately. Suddenly, that has become
4: my fondest hope. Now do us all a favor. Go back to bed and give me a chance to do a little walking in your sleep. <laughs> What do you mean, barging in here? I'm looking for a girl, and I'll admit this is a very unlikely place to find her. I'll thank you to get out of my bedroom. Do you realize how suspicious you look just lying there in bed? What do you mean? Well, I mean that about 15 minutes ago, a woman screamed at the top of her lungs not 20 feet from here. Now, what's your story? That you didn't hear it? Or does it happen around here all the time? You're crazy. I didn't hear any woman scream,
5: and I don't think you did.
4: Okay, have it your way. I'm hearing things. But one thing I know, I'm not feeling things. See here? There's a lump on my head. That's for real. That doesn't interest me a bit. If I find out you put it there, it'll interest you. I'll not only put an egg on your skull, I'll make a whole omelet. In case you don't know it, you're looking at a citizen who's burned up. M-A-D. Mad. <laughs> through the rest of the rooms in the house. I thought I knew who I was looking for, the only person I could think of who would profit by seeing those papers not signed, the present beneficiary of the Trump policy, their niece, Miss Hope Selden. All I could find in the next six bedrooms was a lot of old-fashioned furniture. I was just looking under the bed in the last, when the wind outside took on a new note. I ran back to my own room, flung open the window, And stuck my head out into the blizzard trying to get a look in the direction of the noise. I wasn't taking any chances on that kicker finally sparking the automobile into life before I had a chance to see who was in it. I swung my feet over the sill and dropped the one story into a
6: high drift.
9: Come on. Come on.
4: Oh, no, darn it. And wasting your time. Around here, people only go for sleigh rides. What do you want?
10: Who
6: are you?
4: You should know. You had your hand in my coat pocket earlier tonight. Of course, unfortunately, I wasn't in the coat, but something else was. And I want it back.
9: If I took anything out of your pocket, I had plenty of reason. And plenty of right to do it.
4: The only one I want taking things out of my pocket is the cleaner when he's spilling out the tobacco crumbs. Now, come on. Give me those papers. No, just let me
9: talk to you first. I want you to hear my side of things.
4: Look, I'm freezing. If it takes more than five seconds for you to say what you gotta say, no dice. Dy- well, then
9: let's go back in the house. I know you'll believe me.
4: I saw plenty about her to interest me, but nothing to relax me. She looked like a, well, a big-time operator. A gal who would be as dangerous kissing you as killing you. As I closed the door behind us... She walked across the room and made a perfectly natural movement as though to throw open her coat. When she turned, she had a gun in her hand. It was the first time I'd ever seen a shoulder holster on a woman.
9: Now put your hands up, Mr. Dollar, and listen.
4: Uh If you'll just unwrap your finger from around that trigger, I'll be more likely to keep my mind on what you're saying. Go ahead. I'm listening. You've
9: got to help me.
4: Help you? Yes,
9: help me prevent my aunt and uncle from making fools of themselves. We can't let them leave their money to Irwin Harper. It's
4: their money... They're attempting to do what they... Well, what they believe is right. That
9: money is mine, and I'll kill anyone to get it. Irwin Harper won't stick around five minutes after my aunt and uncle have killed themselves. He isn't planning on taking care of their filthy snakes. I was in his room tonight after he went to sleep. In his pocket, I found a ticket for South America. His plans were all made. They caught me in there and chased me out in the hall and slugged me. When I came to, you were lying there unconscious beside me. I ran downstairs and I fixed their scheme. I threw the switch to release their sinking reptiles. By now, the snakes are all outside, freezing to death.
10: Don't move. You don't want to <laughs>
9: you...
4: <laughs> So now you know. both. You know what that means? I'll have to kill you both,
9: and I'll get away with Why, it. Why, you miserable hunk of putty, you conniving even.
3: The Trumps want me to have their money, not you. I worked out that whole plan for them, all of it. And I'm the one they want to take care of. But now drop that gun, Hope!
4: You'd better drop it, Hope. It doesn't make any difference anyway.
9: What do you mean it won't make any difference?
4: Because our friend over there isn't going to pull the trigger. Oh
9: no? And why not?
4: Because Hope has released all those snakes. One thing she forgot. When snakes get cold, they try to get warm. And one of them just joined the party. He's right behind you, Irwin.
7: I don't believe you, you're bluffing.
4: Can't you hear him? You can't fool me, that's a steam radiator. In this house, they're all noisy. Irwin, if you make any kind of a move or fire that gun, he's going to strike. I'll make you a deal. Let me reach down and get that gun off the floor. I'll blast its head off. Careful, don't move, Irwin. No, you don't. I know what you want that gun for. I wouldn't even turn around and look, Erwin. not only going to move, I'm going to get that gun out of your reach.
11: There was a snake.
3: Look out, look out. He's on the loose.
11: Oh, he
10: dropped me.
3: The push The worst of them all. Well, you've got the gun. Go on. Shoot
11: sure
10: him. On. I would shoot him. All
11: right. Oh. That's for him. But you're not staying behind me to get him. This is for you.
4: Mr. and Mrs. Arbuth-Multrump were fresh out of beneficiaries to say nothing of snakes. The only one that had found his way back into the warmth of the house was the one I'd mistaken for a steam radiator without a handy method for creating a new humanity, the Trumps found themselves without a purpose. So I gave them one. At my suggestion, and at the moment, Mr. T is hard at work in his home laboratory attempting to develop a machine with which mankind will fight the flying saucer. Mr. Trump's invention will be known as the Flying Cup, and will be secretly dedicated to a waitress I once knew. Expense accounts. Item three, $113.52 railroad fare, Highbridge, North Dakota to Hartford, Connecticut. Expense account total, $763.90. You may say this doesn't add up, but neither does anything else about this case. Signed, yours, uh, truly, Johnny Dollar.
2: Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, stars Edmund O'Brien in the title role and is written by Paul Dudley and Gil Dowd with music by Leith Stevens. Edmund O'Brien can currently be seen starring in Harry M. Popkin's United Artists production, D.O.A. Featured in our cast were Peggy Weber, Harley Bear, Hugh Thomas, Dick Ryan, Jess Kirkpatrick, and Mary Shipp. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, is produced and directed by Jaime Del Valle. Again next week when Edmund O'Brien returns in another adventure of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Mm-hmm. The Echo of Jesse James, a modern story of how police tracked down a couple of train robbers, will be brought to you on CBS's Gangbusters this Saturday night. The narrator will be the superintendent of Metropolitan Police, Washington, D.C. And another Gangbusters wonderful cast will reenact this true story for you. Join us this Saturday night on most of these same CBS stations for Gangbusters drama, The Echo of Jesse James. This is Roy Rowan speaking. This is CBS, where yours truly, Johnny Dollar, meets adventure every Friday night. The Columbia Broadcasting System.
1: Stay tuned for The Bickersons next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for The Bickersons, starring Don Amici. From Hollywood, it's dream time.
12: Now you can get a great new improved dream. The shampoo of lovely stars in Hollywood. The new miracle shampoo that lets your hair shine like the stars. Ladies and gentlemen, the makers of the new improved dream shampoo are pleased to present the Dream Show. Produced by Carlton Alsop. Am Starling Donabici. Let me sleep, will you, please, Blanche? Danny Thomas. It's a free country. I'm a citizen. And Francis Langford singing.
11: Sometimes I'm happy. Sometimes I'm blue. My disposition depends on you. I never mind. From the sky If I can find The sun in your eyes
13: Sometimes I love you
11: Sometimes I hate you But when I hate you It's cause I love you That's how I am So what can I do
12: Here's news from Hollywood. Thrilling beauty news about the greatest shampoo improvement in years. And here is your host for the evening, Don Amici. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, and good evening.
13: Hello, Francis.
12: Sorry I wasn't home when you dropped by this morning.
13: I want to talk to you about Danny. I'm worried about him. You remember when he said I was his favorite girl last week? Yes. Well, he means it. Now he thinks I'm the sweetest and noblest creature that ever walked on Earth.
12: When did you discover this?
13: This morning. It was written all over my front sidewalk, and it took me half the day to scrub it off.
12: Well, don't worry. Boys often become deeply infatuated with someone beyond their reach.
13: Well, frankly, I'm I'm very fond of Danny, but...
12: Hello, everybody. You leave for a second, Francis, and I'll have a talk with him.
7: Well, if it isn't Danny Thomas! Don, Don, have you ever noticed how the leaves on the trees nestle on each other's arms? And how the honeybees stop at each fading flower, and how the blossoms dip their petals in sweet surrender? Well, it
12: sounds like you've got yourself a girl.
7: Yeah. Did you notice the difference it makes? You know, Don, I even comb my hair in the back now where it doesn't show.
12: Ah, <laughs> uh, it's Francis, isn't it?
7: Don, gentlemen of breeding do not bandy a lady's name about
12: I wasn't bandying. I was just saying it was Frances.
6: Frances.
7: I'll never forget the first time I saw her. I said to myself, there is a woman. Now, that's a shrewd observation. I'm in love with her. You in love? Let's face it, Don. There comes a time in every boy's life when his Lone Ranger badge becomes unimportant. You've
12: been thinking a lot about girls lately, Danny. There are other things more important. What do you think President Truman
7: would be if he thought about girls all the time? At the YWCA. Where else? <laughs> oh, really, John?
10: <laughs> Frances is
7: different from other girls. For her, I'd swim the deepest mountain, I'd climb the highest river. Why? I'd even cross Hollywood and Vine in a pedestrian zone.
10: <laughs> <laughs> dangerous, brother. Uh, then
7: you plan to marry her, I assume? Yes, and if we are married, who knows? Someday we may even be man and wife.
10: <laughs> Danny,
12: you're making a serious institution sound farcical. You don't deserve to be married. What have you got to offer, Francis? You realize how accomplished she is? She can sing, dance, swim,
7: ride, pilot a plane. Oh, we'll get along fine. I'm a great cook.
13: (laughs) (laughs) Hello, Don. Hi, Danny.
7: Hello, Francis. You're just the person I want to see here. I have a present for you. Oh,
13: thank you. What is it?
7: Chocolate-covered radishes.
13: (laughs) (laughs) Just what I've always wanted.
7: Danny, I don't see how
12: any girl could be romantic about you. Why, fellas like me don't grow on trees. If they did, I'd be in favor of reforestation.
10: <laughs> <laughs> Frankly,
12: I don't think you know what love is. You just have spring fever.
7: Now, how do you know?
12: Oh, the symptoms are obvious. Instead of dreaming about girls, you ought to spend your excess energy in something more suitable for you. Play with your chemistry set. Go yeah, out and kick a football, then run around the block six times. When you're all finished, go home and take a good dose of sulfur and molasses. That's my prescription for you Come on, it. Francis I'll buy you a
7: soda oh, Wait a minute, Francis, Don
10: Hey, wait a minute Ooh,
7: that big shot of Michi. He killed me, you know He thinks he's a doctor Right away, Diagnosis.
10: <laughs> I said,
7: diagnose my case does tells me I have spring fever Who that guy You don't know what love is, he says to me I should have said I do, too It's a tenth word in a telegram I should have said
10: <laughs> <laughs> Tries to
7: insinuate that Francis wouldn't marry me I should have said, listen, Don I could marry any girl I please Trouble is, I never please any of them. (laughs) Wise guy, tells me about symptoms. I have spring fever. I've got the spring fever and he walks off with branches. I don't get it. Not too slick for me. His tongue may be as sharp as the razor's edge, but his brain has already seen the best years of his life. That's all I can (laughs) sulfur and molasses. What a nerve he has trying to be a doctor. I could be my own doctor. Much better one than he is. I could be the greatest doctor in the world. Sure, why not? It's a free country, I'm a citizen. Gee, I can just see me now, astounding the medical profession. All I need is 12 good doctor jokes and a musical bridge from Carmen Dragon.
10: Nurse.
13: Yes, doctor? Needle, please. Needle. Scissors. Scissors.
7: Steady now. There. Done.
13: Doctor, you're wonderful.
7: Not a bad job. I don't think the fact will show unless I bend over.
13: (laughs) Doctor, you're remarkable.
7: Oh, it's nothing really compared to some of my accomplishments. Did you know that I finally succeeded in isolating the Haemophilus germ?
13: How exciting. How
7: did you do it? Oh, I took it to an isolated part of town and left it there. (laughs)
13: It's amazing that no one ever thought of that before.
7: Ah, that's because most doctors just look for the obvious. You take a glass of plain, ordinary milk, for instance. Do you realize the hidden properties it possesses?
13: Hidden properties?
7: Certainly. I've discovered that milk contains all the elements for a plastic strong enough to make automobile fenders. That's wonderful. What's so wonderful about it? Think of the poor farmer getting up 4 o'clock in the morning to milk a fender.
10: <laughs> Are you
7: Dr. Thomas? Yes, that'll be $10, please.
10: <laughs>
13: but you, you haven't diagnosed my case yet.
7: That'll be $20, and please make it brief. I'm very busy.
13: But, uh, but, I, but I, I don't know whether I can speak freely with you. After all, I'm a woman.
7: Yes, I noticed that when you came in.
13: <laughs>
7: Shall we dance?
11: Please,
13: Doctor, I'm under a great nervous tension I've tried everything and nothing has helped I've gone mountain climbing in Switzerland Swimming in hot springs And skiing at Sun Valley And now I've come to you as a last resort (laughs) (laughs) Well,
7: this isn't much of a resort But you could try sliding down the roll top
13: Please help me, Doctor. If this terrible strain keeps up, I'll, I'll find myself an old woman.
7: Why, you look and see if you can find me a young one.
10: <laughs>
13: Tell me,
7: madam, why do you feel the need of a doctor?
13: Well, I've been suffering from hallucinations lately. I, uh,
7: I keep imagining that little men are following me wherever I go. Oh, I see. You want to know how to get rid of the little men?
11: No,
10: I want to know how to catch them. <laughs> Obviously,
7: madam, you're suffering from a severe shock. Has anything frightened you lately? Well,
13: just the other night, a a burglar broke into my house. What did you do? I immediately locked all the doors and windows, but he managed to get to the phone and call the police.
7: (laughs) Dr.
1: Thomas speaking.
7: Yes? Hmm. 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 No, Mrs. Rokeford I can't leave the office. I'll have to examine your floating rib here. Wait until it's high tide and float it over.
10: <laughs> and now, madam, to get back to you.
7: I'll have to call in my assistant for consultation. Oh, uh, Dr. Amici.
10: Yes? Hmm. You've had your ear
7: to the keyhole. How do you think we should treat this woman? Well, the first
12: thing in cases like this is to have the patient sheared and clipped. <laughs>
10: sheared
12: and
7: clipped? You'll we'll have to forgive Dr. Amici. He used to work in a cat and dog hospital.
10: <laughs> Amici,
7: I've told you a hundred times we don't shear and clip the patient here. Just clip them.
10: <laughs> Allow me
12: to examine her, Dr. Thomas. Madam,
7: will you please say, ah. Ah.
10: Ah.
7: Ah. 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 Stick around, folks. We'll get back to the dialogue in a minute. <laughs>
10: can't see
11: a
7: thing wrong with her. I can. She's suffering from a malaprop diversion of the upper cardiac diaphragm and the neuromuscular system. What does that mean? I don't know. The medical books are full of
10: words. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't there
7: some cure for me? I don't know. After all, I'm only a doctor. But let me tell you about a new drug I just invented. There are many mental giants
10: who've contributed
7: to science in ways that will last forever. But I've recently surpassed them, outmaneuvered and outclassed them in this wonderful field of endeavor. Halbytes.taradine <laughs> <Altidimide. laughs> <Selticaiozai>. <laughs> And Finili <Penicillin. laughs> have made their claim a to fame. <laughs> but I have discovered a formula. <laughs> That puts them all to shame. I've discovered sulfahyathia, parapentinillamide. Doctors will adore it. It's miraculous, stupendous, it's a most amazing cure. But
11: there is no disease for it, senor. <laughs>
7: If you have no sulfur, higher thigh, a pair run right out and buy it. And in case you've eaten poison mushrooms and you're
10: very sick, I
7: recommend a change of a diet. If you're really ill, just take one pill, it's the only thing for you. For this miracle drug kills every bug, and you know what? Kills the patient too <laughs> you can see the sofa highath a my. is a faulty fixer So the best thing if you're ailing is to bury yourself in work unless you're a concrete mixer <laughs> Ain't that silly <laughs> but it's better than sofa highath a
12: Now our lovely dream girl, Frances Langford, joins Carmen Dragon and his orchestra to sing Dancing in the Dark.
11: Dancing in the Dark Till the tune ends, we're dancing in the dark, and it soon ends, we're waltzing in the wonder of why we're here, time hurries by, we're here, and joy. the light of a new love to brighten up the night, I have you love, and we can sing the music together. the light of a new love to brighten up the
10: light.
11: I have you, love, and we
12: Don Amici and Francis Langford as John and Blanche Bickerson with Danny Thomas as Brother Amos in The Honeymoon is Over, written by Phil Rapp. The Bickersons have retired. Mrs. Bickerson rised in sympathetic anguish at 2 o'clock in the morning as poor husband John, victim of contagious insomnia, or Schmoe's disease, Broadcast the telltale symptoms during the crucial stage of the dread ailment listen
10: it doesn't sound human
13: out in a regular (laughs) pattern. Now you'll get (laughs)
10: amused.
11: Oh,
13: no. John. John. Why aren't you laughing? John, wake up. (laughs) You should be giggling and you're crying. What's the matter with you? What's the
12: matter, Margie?
13: You're not like you usually do. Mm-hmm. I was just getting used to your whining and giggling, but now you start crying and it throws me off completely.
12: What are you talking about?
13: You've got to stop it, John. I've never been so sick in all my life and you won't let me get a minute's sleep. I don't feel well.
12: What hurts you, Blanche?
13: Everything hurts me. Call Dr. Marvin.
12: You don't need Dr. Marvin. I'll take care of you. Tell me where it hurts.
13: It's those clams we had tonight. I didn't want to eat them, but you kept insisting. You kept telling me clams are healthy.
12: Well, clams are healthy. They are not. They are, too. Did you ever hear one (laughs) complain?
10: I ate
12: more than you did, and I feel perfectly horrible. I mean, fine. Where does it hurt you?
13: I think I'm poisoned. My whole body aches, and I've got a terrible shooting pain between my shoulder blades.
12: I'll lie still, and I'll fry you some cucumbers and hot root beer.
13: <laughs> Fine cucumbers and hot root beer?
12: Make a new man of you.
13: You just want to finish me off, that's all. Oh,
12: Blanche, I'm only going to make a poultice out of it. It draws out the pain. It's a new medical discovery.
13: What's the matter with an old fashioned mustard plaster?
12: Okay, I'll fix you an old fashioned mustard plaster. Where's the bourbon? <laughs>
13: What's
12: that for? To soak the mustard plaster.
13: John Bickerson. Don't
12: worry. I'll scrape the mustard off first. Where's the bottle?
13: I'm not going to stick any bourbon soap plaster on my back. You
12: don't stick it on your back. You hold it over your mouth and squeeze it.
13: (laughs) Put on the lights. I will not. I don't want you to touch me.
12: I'll bet you're not sick at all. You just thought this pain up to keep me awake. Why don't you leave me alone?
13: I can just hear you saying that to Gloria Gooseby.
12: Why should I say that to Gloria Gooseby?
13: Why, indeed. If you were married to Gloria Gooseby, she wouldn't stand for any of your nonsense. I'm
12: not married to her, and she stands for a lot more of my nonsense than you do.
13: I mean, why do I care what she stands for? I despise Gloria
12: Gooseby, and you know it.
13: And why does she keep staring at you like she's hypnotized?
12: She doesn't stare. It's just that she wears those outlandish dresses and they bring out her eyes.
10: <laughs>
13: they bring yours out, too. Now, look, let's, let's
12: make a pact never to mention that woman's name again as long as we live.
13: Well, I keep thinking there's something between you.
12: I swear, I don't know she's alive.
13: She doesn't mean more to you than I do?
12: She means even less to me than you do. <laughs>
13: I don't like the way that sounds.
12: <laughs> well, don't go looking for hidden meanings. Now, if you're really sick, I'll do anything you want to make you feel better. Now, if you feel okay, all I ask is that you let me have a few hours. Now, is that fair enough?
13: No, well, I did have a little headache before, but now I've lost it.
12: It isn't lost. I've got it.
10: <laughs>
12: Every morning when I go to work, I'm bleary-eyed, and, and I stumble around the office in a stupor. I don't know how much longer my boss is going to stand for it.
13: Why do you stumble around, John?
12: Because I don't get enough sleep. I'm completely debilitated. And only last week, I failed to pass an insurance examination.
13: Was it the same examination you had before? Certainly. Then why didn't you copy the answers off of the old policy? (laughs) It's
12: not answers they want. They give you a medical checkup. And apparently, I'm not such an ideal physical specimen.
13: I think you're wonderful. You've got the nicest legs of any man I ever saw. (laughs)
12: In the meantime, I don't think I'm wrong for this world.
13: Am I responsible for it, John? No. I am, too. I know I am. John, can I talk to you?
1: Sure. Go ahead and talk.
13: I've been thinking about how we quarrel all the time, and I'm sure we love each other as much as any other married couple, and I know they must have their little arguments, maybe even more than... John! <laughs> you said I could talk to you.
12: Well, am I stopping you?
13: I want you to listen.
12: Okay.
13: I didn't know your health was bad, and I'm worried. If anything happened to you, I'd blame myself for not taking the proper precautions. So you know what I think? What do you think, Blanche? I think you ought to make out a will.
12: <laughs> make out a will? I thought you were worried about me.
13: Well, you don't want to leave me at the mercy of all those grasping relatives of yours, do you? The minute you drop dead... Don't talk I... like that! <laughs>
12: you say pass on or something like that? Well,
13: you always say drop dead. Oh, well,
12: that's only when I'm talking to your brother Amos.
13: <laughs>
11: you should be a
12: little more delicate when you're discussing wills. Why? Well, because you make it sound like I'm going to go any minute.
13: Well, they don't give you two weeks' notice, you know. <laughs> you just told me you couldn't get any more insurance. Oh,
7: I can
12: get all the insurance I want.
13: I don't care. You should make out a will just the same.
12: Okay, I'll make it out tomorrow.
13: You say it, but you won't do it. <laughs> get up and do it now. What? Go on, get up and make out a will. Why,
10: well,
12: you're out of your mind. In the first place, a will isn't legal unless you have two witnesses. And in the second place, I haven't got anything to leave in the first place.
13: <laughs> unless
12: you thinking of that phony stock your thieving brother sold me.
13: What phony stock?
12: Those 500 shares of Kentucky Salt Peter's. <laughs> They're not worth the paper they're written on. Nobody's going to take anything, and I don't need a will.
13: You're the most stubborn man that ever lived, John.
12: Why? Why am I stubborn?
13: It's the hardest thing in the world to make you admit I'm right when you know I'm wrong. Right, now there's
12: the woman's logic for you. Suppose I do make out a will, and nobody can touch anything except you. Okay. So now you got all my worldly goods. First thing you know, you get over your grief and... Marry a guy without a dollar to his name. Like that broken down snore specialist, Dr. Marvin.
13: Oh, I'm not going to marry anybody.
12: he get up his practice and he'll take you for every penny. My hard-earned money. The little possessions I slave for. He'll drive my brand new car. Drink my bourbon. Lope around like a prince. John! Why don't you make the bum get a job,
13: Frank? <laughs> For heaven's sake, John, what got into you? Well,
12: why did you start all this talk about wills?
13: Well, I'll tell you. Amos just got a job as an old public. Amos. And he gets two dollars for every seal he puts on a will.
12: I knew he was at the bottom of it, that chiseling grapter.
13: <laughs> There's nothing wrong with my brother Amos. No. You're just jealous because he thinks up ways to make a living without working.
12: Mm-hmm.
13: All it takes is a little brain. Nobody's
12: got littler brains than Amos. <laughs> He's the cause of... 90% of our
13: fights. Oh, go to sleep.
12: <laughs> go to sleep, she tells me. Practically talks me into a funeral.
10: <laughs>
13: gets her
12: brother to seal my will. Keeps me up half the night with Gloria Goosby and clams.
10: <laughs>
12: now she tells me, go to sleep. <laughs> Can't sleep. Never sleep another wink. <laughs> Phone's dead. It's leaking.
13: (laughs) Put down that bottle of bourbon. I'll get the phone. I wonder who's calling it. Oh, my leg! Put the lights on! The lights are
12: on. Take off my sleep (laughs) shade.
13: Hello. Len, this is Amos. What do you want, Amos? Did you talk him into it? No, and I'm not going to try anymore.
7: What are you talking about? Everybody's got to have a will. I drew mine up today.
13: I left everything I have in the world to charcoal. John! Uh, Amos said he drew up his will today and left everything he has in the world to you.
7: Tell him I don't want her.
13: (laughs) Amos, John says he's very pleased.
7: Right, and you know, one good thing deserves another.
13: Sure, I'll talk to him tomorrow.
7: It's very important to have a will, Blanche. There's a big case going on right now, and all the relatives are fighting over the door because a rich old lady didn't file a will. Really? Yeah, she had $100,000 in cash and hid it in the bustle of her wedding
13: dress. Hey, tell Jaco. John. Yeah. An old lady died, and they found a $100,000 in her bustle. That's
12: a lot of money to leave behind.
10: <laughs>
13: he says that's Never a Never lo-
7: mind. I heard him. I'll bring my notary seal around tomorrow, Blanche.
13: You better wait till I call you. Good night, Amos. Oh, dear. John. John. I've got that shooting pain between my shoulder blades again.
12: Ugh. Let's have a look.
13: Right here. It must be arthritis or a neuralgia. It sticks me like a knife. What is it, John?
12: It's the price tag on your nightgown.
13: Here. <laughs> no wonder my back was hurting. Holy
12: smokes! $48.50. Is that what that nightgown cost? <laughs>
13: yes, I just bought it this morning. Oh! What's the matter, John? Now
12: my back is hurting. Good <laughs> <The> night, Blanche. <laughs> This is Don Amici wishing you good days, good nights, and good luck until we meet again. Remember this beauty tip from Hollywood stars. For hair that shines like the stars, use the great new improved green shampoo. It means lovelier hair for Hollywood stars and lovelier hair for you. Listen next Sunday for another pleasant half hour with Don Amici, Danny Thomas, Francis Langford, Carmen Dragon and his orchestra, and yours truly, Toby Reed.
2: This is NBC, the national broadcasting company.
1: Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's the Cisco Kid, followed by Fibber, McGee, and Molly. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor.
0: Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads.